This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.48 a.m. This is The Morning Run with Shazana, Phil and Jensen. Earlier this week, the government launched the Menu Rahma initiative, which provides lunch and dinner sets capped at five ringgit at some 15,000 premises nationwide as part of efforts to combat rising food costs. The evening edition discussed this yesterday on Inside Story with Datuk Wira Amir Ali Maidin and personal finance expert Rafiq Hidayat. Do look up that podcast on the BFM app. Officially, the Consumer Price Index has risen 3.8% with food and non-alcoholic beverages registering a 6.8% increase in December 2022. But many feel their take-home pay really seems to have shrunk by more than that. Minister of Economic Affairs Rafizi Ramli caused a stir when he suggested that consumers adjust their preference in the face of rising food costs. With less than a month before Prime Minister Dadusri Anwar Ibrahim tables his maiden budget, what else can the government do to address this issue. And at the end of the day, is it really down to the consumer which has to make difficult choices when it comes to essentials like food? For some thoughts on this, we have with us Dr. Shankara Nambiar, Senior Research Fellow at the Malaysian Institute of Economic Research. Good morning, Dr. Shankaran. Now, how does the rising food prices impact different categories of Malaysians, especially from the perspective in urban and rural areas? Okay, so I think if you looked at it just from the urban rural perspective. Typically, the urban areas tend to be more affected by inflation than uh, the rural areas. And and I think there are a number of reasons why that is the case. Uh, So, for instance, if you're looking at food, um, I I think if you um, had a piece of land and and you grew your own vegetables uh, and and you had a couple of chickens running around, then then I suppose you'd be less hit uh, by the price of food items. Also because um, you're not buying at a supermarket, Uh, you're buying from farmers whose produce is is, uh, uh, more easily available and without having to pass through uh, a distributive system. And and as we saw um, last year, uh, particularly for the month of December, you found that uh, the inflation urban areas was something like uh, 4% and it was 2.8 in rural areas. Um, The other way in which this works out, uh, rural versus urban, is um, the fact that those in um, uh, urban areas would tend to probably eat out more often. You've gone to work, you come back late, you're not in the mood to set up kitchen and and cook your dinner, uh, whereas you're more likely uh, to eat your food at home if you're in a rural setting. So looking at well, what happened in, in December, the prices increased by, by about 9.6% uh, uh, for food away from home, which means that the cost of eating out would have gone up that much, whereas uh, it went up half as much if you were eating at home. So yes, uh, although uh, the cost of eating at home has gone up, it hasn't gone up as much as if you were eating out. So, Dr. Shankaran, what can we make of these facts? Some experts have attributed this to the problem of choice, that one could opt to eat in or choose less expensive goods, but the situation is actually more nuanced than that, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, if you're looking at a textbook on on economics, that's precisely what they would tell you. Um, Change your preferences. Don't buy what's more expensive. Buy what's cheaper. It's uh, a a question of uh, substitution. In the textbooks, it, it's, uh, it gives a rather simplified picture. So uh, someone who has done his O-levels would 
tend to imagine uh, if he believes his textbooks, uh, he would tend to uh, believe that uh, you could substitute capital with maybe more labor. Uh, but but that's not the way it works. Your capital is not divisible. Uh, you have to buy it in chunks. So there are all these um, nuances, as you put it, uh, which work on the ground, uh, which are not well captured in your textbook. And I think the same applies when you're talking about consumers uh, and the choices that they face. Now, if you are staying in um, Wang Samaju and you had to travel to Putrajaya, I suppose that's where your office is. I doubt very much if you have the time to prepare breakfast at home, or you might be able to, uh, but then I doubt very much if you'd be able to cook your dinner at home. So there is really not much of a choice. And uh, again, the question of choice is a difficult one. You're almost choiceless um, if I told you not to eat uh, chicken. That, that is perhaps the cheapest um, form of uh, animal protein that's available. Uh, I could get onto a much bigger campaign and, and try to change eating habits, patterns. Uh, I could advocate uh, vegetarianism, plant protein, for instance. But I think that that's a much longer campaign. It's going to be more difficult. It's going to take some time before people can take to the idea. And, and, and uh, then, of course, there's the question of cultural adaptability and, and so on and, and so forth. So I wouldn't venture along that path. Well, though I couldn't agree with you more. We won't. We don't want textbook economists. We don't want textbook ministers. And at the same time, though, Rafizi said the government can't regulate food prices to address this issue. What other alternatives then can the government explore? Uh, it's a rather narrow space that uh, you'd have to navigate. Uh, we we know that the price of uh, eggs. It, it's not just a Malaysian phenomenon. It, it's uh, almost international. Um, prices of onions. Uh, have been going up tremendously in, in some countries. But that, I, I think, does not absolve um, the fact that it is an international phenomenon, does not absolve the government of attempting to, to bring down these prices. There are, I suppose, options that you could explore. You could perhaps get on a campaign, try to encourage people, uh, perhaps those in the rural areas, to get more into farming. You, you perhaps could incentivize, in a small way at least, for the immediate term, short term, um, a, a return to smallholders, those with small farms, uh, intensifying food production. Although I think the longer term measures uh, sh shouldn't also be ignored. I mean, th this is probably a good lesson to get into uh, introducing, upgrading technology in, in agriculture and so forth. But, but I suppose that wouldn't uh, yield results uh, immediately. You probably also might want to look at what role uh, cooperatives can play. Uh, do we need to step up farmers' cooperatives, um, for instance? Uh, might that help reduce the price of food items without uh, disrupting the role of uh, middlemen? I think these are some of the kinds of questions that you need to look into. And, and re um, recently, we found some slightly proactive measures being taken, for instance, relaxing on, on uh, licenses to import, etc. I think might help to, to look at uh, uh, two sides. One are the constraints. Uh, I think you'd also want to look at malfunctioning within the system. For instance, there is profiteering. You'd want to take uh, some kind of action on that. So there's a lot of anticipation that a global recession could happen this year. Do you think this will have a big impact on Malaysia? Do we have enough buffers to withstand it if it hits? 
it, it's not entirely clear to me. I'm not uh, absolutely convinced that we are uh, going into a deep recession uh, of the kind that uh, the media makes it out uh, to be. Um, first of all, if you're looking at the U.S., I think you have a spectrum of views. Um, not everyone is in agreement. Uh, some are, are talking of, uh, of, of a recession. Others are talking of a slowdown. The picture is slightly clearer with the, the EU. They have a pretty soft, uh, softening e economy. They might have uh, some difficulty reaching a growth of, of 1%. On China, much depends on the public health situation. It, it's good to note that they are not taking a very stringent view on um, the, the COVID measures. Uh, they're not going in for a zero COVID policy. Uh, so that is, uh, in a sense, um, good news. I think China might get in something like a five uh, growth rate of about 5%, which I think uh, would be a good thing. I suppose those days of 9% uh, double-digit growth are long over, but, but the fact that you're getting 5%, I think, would give some comfort to a country like Malaysia, since we are we do a lot of trade with uh, China. So I think, yes, we would be uh, going in for a slowdown. Uh, I think that that's for sure. Uh, we we probably likely to see something uh, within the range of 4 to 4.5%. That is, is not terribly good, but uh, I think it, it, it it's also not terribly bad if, if you take into account the fact that we had um, pretty good rate, uh, growth rates uh, in 2022. I mean, most quarters we've done um, extremely well. Dr. Shankaran, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Dr. Shankaran Nambiar, Senior Research Fellow at the Malaysian Institute of Economic Research, weighing in on the problem of inflation in the country and what kind of initiatives or measures or really perceptions and mindsets that uh, we need to put on when we talk about this issue. Yeah, so, you know, what we've saw in the news, right, the past one, we've seen Manurama, we've seen the issue about this whole broadband package for people. So the government is trying to create all these products, in my view, to meet the low-cost living the challenges, right, of cost of living issues, but are they structural, right? Is the issue more wages as right. opposed to the actual cost of living? These are good short-term measures. These are good band-aids. But um, I think overall, there has to be a much broader push to increase uh, wages, as you mentioned, um, and really to create that uh, growing economy in which more people can partake and, and pr prosper from, essentially. Yeah, I think sometimes it's just a matter of convenience as well. Everyone wants to stretch their ringgit, but to really be maybe penny-wise, pound-foolish, it's difficult to go to many places to really shop for the cheapest uh, items out there. But yeah. sometimes it's really just um, to maybe sacrifice that extra few ringgit to really to put yourself at ease and to for your own convenience as well. So the challenge you have is that, you know, we can't even do, we, we are talking about even just meeting these essentials and even asking people to save in the same process. What does it say for the next generation that they're just trying to live day by day as a, and just make, make ends meet as opposed to even think about their long-term future? That's the big challenge. And then you see the pressures about EPF taking place. It's going to be hard in the short term and long term. 7.59 in the morning. We're heading into the 8 a.m. News Bulletin. And when we come back on The Breakfast Grill, Wong Xiaoning speaks to Brian Liu, the CEO of Lube Holdings. Stay tuned for that, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.